0: Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA admissions podcast. I'm Graham Richmond and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, March 20th, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going?
1: Very good. Thank you, Graham.
0: So there's an ocean separating us. I've actually, uh, I, I decided to get on a plane and get a front row seat at the craziness of March madness. And I'm not talking about basketball. I'm talking about march madness in the mba admissions world <laughs> with all the decisions coming so i'm actually uh in philly gonna see the rest of the team this week and uh yeah it should be a lot of fun but what's the latest on your end in terms of you know mba admissions happenings it's been kind of a wild ride these last few days
1: yeah i mean there's a lot of activity going on 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 um, ApplyWire, obviously um with with all these decisions coming out um sort of, we're in the sort of, oh, last week was about the second week of what we call decision week. So um, Columbia released some decisions, Ross released um, decisions. I mean, several of the top schools um, last week released um, decisions. And, um, you know, along with that, this upcoming week, we've got another sort of big raft of um, programmed release and decisions. So we've got ISA, McDonough, Anderson, Wharton, Booth, Haas, McCombs, Yale, um, amongst them. So I'd say this upcoming week's probably the largest volume of decisions, um, being released. What you might notice is I haven't mentioned Harvard or Stanford yet, and they typically, um, are in the final week of, um, decision week. So the suspense lingers for those at the very top of the heap.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll see how it all goes. And again, we keep saying this, but I really want to wish everyone best of luck. Who's awaiting news, uh, over on our website, we did run an admissions tip for people who are waitlisted in round two because, you know, decisions are coming and, and people are finding out in some instances that they've been waitlisted. And there've been a lot of questions about the waitlist on Livewire because people are using that questions feature uh, where they can ask, you know, ask us anything. And so I yeah, just wanted to call attention to that because we have some good advice in that column or that admissions tip that we produced. You can see that on the website. The other thing is we ran another piece, uh, kind of updating a piece that we've been running annually now about tech jobs And, you know, it's kind of, you were talking to me before we came on air about how it's a little bit odd in that the tech job numbers still look pretty good from the last graduating class. But here we are, you know, in in the news hearing more and more about hiring freezes, layoffs, et cetera, at all these big tech companies. Um, But for now, the numbers we've got to work with are, you know, all fairly strong. And so we looked at you know, what, which schools are sending the most uh, candidates into tech roles overall. And as you might expect, the California schools really dominate there. But um, we also looked at, you know, which schools are sending the most candidates into big tech. And I guess we characterize big tech as being Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook, or Meta, um, and Microsoft. So, you know, that was just interesting to see. And it, it turns out that you know obviously, California school is very strong, but you do have see some schools like Kellogg and Fuqua performing quite well when it comes to big tech and and just these kinds of placements so i am I mean, I know we're on pins and needles waiting to see what is this number what do these numbers look like for the class that graduates this year. Uh, but for now, that's what we've got. so a- any thoughts though?
1: <laughs> yeah, if I'm those schools sending a lot of candidates into big tech, I'm really. Um, sweating now in terms of what's going to happen in the upcoming year, because it sound I mean the the news coming out of Facebook last week was pretty devastating. yeah, ten thousand yeah. more jobs to be cut, and no new hires until this round of cuts has been fully implemented, which looks like it's going to take several months. So if there are no new hires at Facebook, that's going to be troubling. And yeah, it seems like these big tech companies once one big tech firm makes an announcement, similar announcements come from the, the, their brethren. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw a piece uh, a couple of days ago, so Apple hasn't done any big layoffs, but I read a piece about how they're not doing, uh, they've cut bonuses. I think there's a hiring freeze. I mean, so yeah, this is happening across the sector and we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's interesting because Facebook, when you look at the numbers, They're not hiring nearly as many people as say Amazon or Google, um, from these business schools, but it's still gonna, I mean, you have to assume that there's going to be an impact and we'll have to see how it plays out this spring. So,
1: and of course the, the, the Silicon Valley bank episode is, is another, yeah on the finance side is it looks it's looking very troubling
0: yeah we just heard this morning as we're recording about Credit Suisse uh, having some trouble too so yeah we'll see how it goes this is going to be an interesting ride over the next uh, few weeks and months but in any event the other thing I wanted to um, mention is as we continue to do our series where we profile recent graduates from these MBA programs to see kind of what jobs they have and what they're up to we um, we connected with uh, Ryan who's a Harvard grad class of 21 He's working at Deloitte as a senior consultant, originally from Birmingham, Alabama. And he did, you're going to love this, he did chemical and bioengineering at U. Alabama. So, you know, you always talk about how chemical engineers are wicked smart. I'm guessing, you know, this is like a double whammy. He's got chemical and bioengineering okay. <laughs> under his belt. Um, I think he's done a lot of healthcare-related consulting, and that was, I think, the sector he worked in pre-MBA. And he, he gave us an interesting quote about, you know, we asked them all kinds of questions, right, about how they ended up at the school that they attended or the company they're now working for, any tips they have. And he said, um, when he talked about how he chose HBS, he said, culture is the number one reason to choose or not choose an MBA program. Your classmates will ultimately define your experience. You will learn more from your peers than from any professor. The people you go to school with will become your business partners, coworkers, and best friends. One way to measure the culture of a program is to sit in on a class. I learned about a school through how students interacted in a classroom. Uh, sorry, I said I learned more about a school through how students interacted in a classroom than through any published material. And HBS scored the highest in all of my considerations. So... You know, I'm not, I know you would probably say, well, HBS is also at the top of the heap in terms of rankings, but I think it is interesting to go, you know, get, when, now that COVID seems to be, um, in the rear view a little bit, you know, this idea of going to campus, sitting in on a class and getting a feel for the institution makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. I'm also a big fan of this idea of your classmates being the most important factor yeah. um, in, in choosing a school, because this is often overlooked Right. Um, when you're comparing the schools from different tiers. Um. You know the 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 frank matter of it is the school in the higher tier will have a on aggregate higher quality classmates, yeah, and that really does have an impact. So yeah, fair play for for this um, candidate for for really focusing in on that.
0: Yeah, and I and I I didn't share, but I mean he's doing really well at Deloitte, has a you know great kind of couple couple years in, I guess, post MBA now. So that was interesting to read about. And then we also connected with Lucy, who's an NYU Stern grad. She's actually a recent grad, graduated in 22, works at Carlisle as an ESG consultant. And she's originally from Palisades, New York, earned her undergrad at University of St. Andrews, um, which I believe is in Scotland, right? And she did that in international relations and social anthropology. And before business school, she worked for six years in philanthropy with Goldman Sachs and uh, another company called BDT. And you know so very interesting profile kind of a little less traditional even though she is working in finance but she has this kind of you know philanthropic bent to it all um i you know it was interesting one of the things that we asked her was like is there anything you would do again as part of the job search like something that you absolutely recommend you know doing and she said that the two guiding themes of my job search were patience and persistence i knew i was charting an atypical path with less certain timelines and recruiting structures and staying true to that course allowed me to wait and be ready for the type of role I was hoping for so I think what she's alluding to a little bit is that you know sometimes with these less traditional paths you don't have 30 companies coming to campus in the fall to kind of sign you up for full-time work when you graduate it's sometimes you know is, is a thing that sort of evolves over the course of the year or late into the spring so you have to be patient and then the other thing she said is um and we asked her about one thing you would do differently or change as part of that process. And she said, I wouldn't be hesitant to reach out to anyone that I thought had an interesting career. Specifically, I would spend more time networking than applying to jobs that I didn't necessarily want. Sometimes it feels easier to fill out an application than to just put yourself out there for a coffee chat. And I would flip those time allocations if
1: I could do it again. So that's what Lucy had to say from Stern. Kind of good advice, I think. No, fantastic advice, actually, because there is a temptation like that herd mentality too, right, to go after the traditional careers because that's what all your classmates are doing. And that's all the buzz. And if you're going after something that does recruit later in the cycle, um, which, you know, more niche type um, um, industries do, um, you've got to hold your nerve a little bit you've got to hang on. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I think that's really good advice.
0: Yeah. So those, that series will continue, but you know, as you can see, we're connecting with lots of really interesting graduates at all these top programs and they're working at, you know, great companies. So, um, I wonder if she's, she's
1: got any of our Royal family in her, in in her Rolodex. I think they go to St. Andrews.
0: Oh yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Very
1: possibly. I think that's, I think that's where, um, where um, Prince of Wales, William, that's right, I think that's where he met his wife.
0: Ah, okay, very possible. I mean, I know it's one of the finest universities in the United Kingdom, so um, in any event... Well, I, it's in
1: Scotland, are they still in the United yeah, Kingdom? Oh, <laughs> I yes, think for now.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's see. So the last thing I wanted to mention before we talk about our three candidates for this week is... We got a really lovely review of the podcast, and the user handle is Crix Brown. So I don't know, it's just K R I X B R O W N. And they left us a really nice five star review. And I'm not going to read it because it's really long. But the essence of it was that this person was about to apply to business school and press submit on an application when they started listening to our podcast. And they basically, um, it blew up their entire strategy. They did not end up even applying to the school that they were about to submit um, because they learned that they should aim higher. They learned that, you know, what business school could and could not do for them. Uh, And so they mentioned that they didn't press submit. It was the wrong school and that they went back to the drawing board, applied to a higher ranking group of schools that they never would have dreamed, you know, that they could have gotten into and that they're still waiting on, on word, but they've already been accepted to one of them that's a, a kind of a dream school with a scholarship. And so they, you know, just, just such a like touching review and, and really detailed. I mean, just interesting to hear that story. So I want to thank that person for writing that review and and yeah, all the support they're providing by doing that. It's huge, hugely helpful to us when someone does that.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. I really enjoyed reading that review and it's nice to hear that Sometimes uh, our advice um, does change a, a trajectory um, a little bit. For the, for the better. better,
0: yeah. I was going to yeah. say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so although we don't, we haven't gotten any hate mail yet in the years that we've been doing this, so uh, fingers crossed. Well, we're not going to read that yeah yeah. <laughs> we don't read, yeah, yeah, maybe the team is filtering that out for us. I don't know. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so thanks for that review. Uh, if you want to send us a, a note or write a review, it's always welcome. Um, you can write to us at info at clearadmit.com, Use the subject line wiretaps. Alex, I say that we move on and get into the, uh, you know, the, the wiretaps portion. Unless there was anything else that you wanted to touch on.
1: Yeah, let's kick on. But also, not forgetting, people can write reviews on either the podcast channels. I think we we did start collecting reviews on on Clear Admit. I don't know if we're still doing that, but um, reviews and ratings really important.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, super helpful. All right, so let's um let's get rolling here. This is going to be wiretaps candidate number one. So our first candidate this week is a wire, uh, sorry, is an apply wire entry that you picked, Alex. And this is a person that is applying to six schools. They're looking to start in 2024. Um, This candidate is a military officer, and they've actually been um, working for 11 years in the military, it sounds like. Uh, They want to get into consulting. They're looking at Bain BCG or McKinsey after business school. And they have a really strong GRE score of 3.29. Uh, that gets paired with a GPA that's somewhat weaker. It's a 2.8 GPA. They're located in the U.S. Uh, they are 32 years of age, male, and they are part Hispanic. Um, they mentioned their parents have limited college background, too. I guess one of them went to an associate's degree. And you know their, their, their undergraduate GPA, they explained, was in aerospace engineering at a top engineering school. Uh, and they became a fighter pilot. Their current job is that they train uh, students from flight school to fly aircraft. And, you know, it sounds like they, I mean, they, they've worked in a whole bunch of different positions. They have managed over 70 subordinates, um, and they have a lot of other duties and things. So very impressive um, career. They're looking for guidance, though, about whether that 329 GRE is kind of enough to offset the low GPA. And before I kind of get your take, I should mention, you know, they have six schools on the target list. And those schools are Tuck, Duke, Harvard, MIT, Kellogg, and Yale. I think that's important just so we can understand, like, what are they aiming for? But what do you make of this candidacy? Because it's kind of an older candidate, potentially URM, but there's that glaring kind of red flag with the GPA.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think clearly the, the um, experience in the military sounds really strong. Um, and I'm sure that'll play really well in um, MBA admissions. 11 years is, is a little bit on the longer side um, for for, for a traditional candidates. So they're going to have to show that fit and, and so forth. And the other side of that is I'd really like them to think long and hard about their long term goal um, post uh, MBB. And if that sort of dovetails um, with you know in, back maybe in, back into the aerospace um, industry or, mm-hmm. or or whatever it might be, that could could really sort of help sort of support and root this narrative um, really really well. Their three twenty nine GRE they didn't do quite as well as GPT four, <laughs> um, which I think scored a three thirty one. That's right, yeah. So, um, <laughs> But that said, GPT four is quite quite intelligent, um, <laughs> and, and and so forth. But three twenty nine is very good. We know that that will help compensate um, to some degree these this two point eight GPA in aerospace engineering. So it's, it would have been a challenging degree. They're they're you know coming from um, you know sort of like a bootstrapping type background. Mm-hmm. So they'll get some. Um, credit for that in terms of how far they've had to come to overcome circumstances. Mm-hmm. I think it sounds like they had one particular semester that, that they struggled with, with a class and and so forth. Um, so so they're going to have to use the optional essay to sort of add add any appropriate context. You know, including the fact that they're sort of um, first generation and that type of stuff. Um, but I think the the simple recommendation that they seem to have taken on board is further mitigate this issue by d- doing MBA math. I think um, our advice is more do something like MBA math or its equivalent rather than try to squeeze out another point or two on the GRE, which is already a relatively, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's above the averages of all, all the programs they're targeting and all the programs in the world. Um, <laughs> As, as it is. So that would be my general advice, Graham, do MBA math yeah. and and really think long and hard about what a long-term goal is going to look like.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, so just on the GRE, I actually think Yale has a higher average, maybe 330 or something. And I know Stanford is north of that too, but their 329 is, you know, is strong. And I agree with you that they should pursue I would, you know, I'm kind of now that business fundamentals is in the space, which is operated by GMAC and seems a bit more rigorous and formal than MBA math. I'm kind of leaning on that one, but I don't know which one they're going to do, but either either would help. Right. So showing the committee that they are, um, you know, ready, uh, for, for business school. I mean, I will say it's hard to get into these very top programs with a sub three zero, but I think that an optional essay here about those sophomore struggles about the being the first in their family to get a college degree. Um, and, and, you know, kind of just struggling with that. You know, I, I think that being frank and owning it, not making excuses, but just kind of owning that sort of, you know, it, it being kind of a, 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 first, um, will, will help them to, and, and especially if the trend looks good, which I think it does so that the junior and senior years have, you know, stronger marks that will help a lot. But, other than that, I mean, I love this candidate. I mean, it's like, especially if they can somehow find a long-term goal that allows them, you know, to move from from consulting into industry and an industry that somehow, you know, relates to their experience in, um, you know, in, in aerospace and stuff. And so, yeah, I, I think um, there's a lot to like here and they, they should, you know, they're aiming in the right direction. It's going to be an uphill battle with that GPA, but I think it's
1: possible. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I assume um to be a, fi- a, a fighter pilot qualified to be a, a fighter pilot and then to instruct um, other fighter pilots you've got to jump through a lot of hoops to get get to that level yeah um so um, in within the military so um looks like i think a really potentially a really strong candidate with a significant hole in which they've got to mitigate and yeah doing whether it's business fundamentals whatever mba math right looks like the best um avenue for them to do that
0: yeah i mean this is like i mean just it's, it's stereotype it's like the top gun kind of thing right i mean this is like i mean i think that when an admissions reader goes through their file and learns about what they've done they're going to think okay this person's you know was it a a five you know p- pilot <laughs> um uh, you know uh, what was it um uh, A fighter pilot, right? And now is training other fighter pilots. They're going to instantly think of, you know, the kind of pop culture (laughs) references there. Uh, So yeah, no, just going to be a really memorable candidacy as long as they can. Yeah just assure the committee that good grades are ahead when they arrive in business
1: school very good reference
0: yeah (laughs) so all right so i want to thank them for their post and for their service and and let's hope for the best there hopefully they'll keep us posted as time moves on here but let's um move on and talk about wiretaps candidate number two so this one, uh, Alex, our second candidate this week is a decision wire entry that you picked. And it's a really interesting one um, and not something we talk about too often. This candidate, uh, so they, they applied to Minnesota Carlson uh, and to Bocconi in Milan, Italy, which is one of the better you know, European MBA programs. Uh, and they're starting this fall and they got into both. And so here's the deal. They, they basically said they're trying to decide between these two schools In the case of Carlson, they have 100% scholarship. They're actually a Forte Fellow, um, which is a really nice scholarship to get. And then with respect to SDA Bocconi in Milan, they don't know the scholarship dollars yet. Um, I should mention that's a shorter duration program, right? So even if it is, um, you know, when you think about the financing, it's important to know it's just one year. Uh, They want to work in marketing roles after business school, either in the fast-moving consumer goods sector... So they mentioned, you know, what um, did they mention? A couple of companies like uh, where were they? Procter and Gamble, Unilever, stuff like that. Or they're pretty interested in, pretty interested in luxury goods. So they were thinking about LVMH, or you know, even um, maybe in beauty like L'Oreal. So those are the kind of two areas that they're interested in, and they wanted our advice. And, you know, I should just in terms of the stats here, I should also mention they did share they had a GMAT score of 690 in case people are are curious. So, you know, this is an interesting dilemma. And and I, you know, I weighed in, but Alex, I'm just curious, like if you wanted to talk at all about, I mean, these are kind of two really different programs um, in Minnesota and and Milan <laughs> but what do you have any initial thoughts
1: on this yeah they do have M in common that's about it right <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Minnesota and Milan yeah exactly um, but yeah I mean it's interesting I think what they really need to figure out if they can is uh, which of the two is preferred fast-moving consumer goods probably that's more accessible I'm just You know, that's that's a a guess on my part. Oh, I think you're right. Versus luxury goods, which is a bit more niche-focused and so forth. And if it's sort of like 50-50, I'd probably prioritize fast-moving consumer goods because there's more options, probably more um, firms recruiting and so forth. And then that would probably make a free ride at Carlson um more 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 palatable um in you know in overall branding you probably assume that bocconi sits above carlson although as we've stated on several occasions it's really hard to make direct apples to apples comparisons yeah. with the european-based program and a us-based program for a variety of reasons um, so um but if 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 luxury goods is their absolute priority and, and FMCG is a sort of a potential backup, then that makes Bocconi um, um, much more interesting. Um, as you said, the from a scholarship standpoint, they've also got to factor in the opportunity cost standpoint, which is what one of our community members sort of highlighted. So if you're spending an, an extra year um in the workforce that sort of compensates some of that um loss of scholarship um and and, and and so so forth. Another big unknown here is where is this person from and the ease with which they could move to Europe yeah. and get a career going in Europe or do they want to be back in the States long term. Or are they from Europe wanting to go to America or whatever it might be? We'd probably need a bit more clarity on that in order to to truly um, provide um, um, guidance. Yeah. Um, but on the surface, I'd say the low-risk option is Carlson and the potential high-risk, high-reward option is Bocconi.
0: Yeah, it was interesting because... I, you know, it's so hard to know, like, where is this person from? And where do they want to be after? And they didn't respond after, you know, they posted their profile, but they haven't yet responded to our comments. And maybe they will, and we'll get get more detail. But I was sort of leaning towards the idea that this must be or I was thinking this might be um, a a woman in the US, probably in the Midwest, probably in Minnesota, was my was my guess, just because of Carlson being on the list. Because I was like, if this person's sitting in Milan or or Paris or something why would you know why would they be targeting Carlson and not or at least why would they be targeting Carlson and not in addition to maybe some other US programs too it seems very specific and so i was thinking maybe they're based there but it's so hard to know and we don't have that information i do agree with you a 100% about this you know is it fast moving consumer goods or is it luxury i once read and this is going back a few years but i remember reading that like LVMH um, you know, very big luxury, um, company. They, they're hiring when it comes to MBA graduates, I think at the time was limited to Harvard and Wharton and maybe Stanford or something. It was like super limited, um, in the U S at least now in Europe, they're probably hiring at HEC and INSEAD and and Bocconi and and others, right? Because it's based there. And, but I I just, I think that's really important to know what she wants, you know? So in any event, it's, um, Yeah, this is a challenging one, but there are a lot of factors. And I think, you know, like you were saying, where does this person, where can this person live and work as well? What's their nationality and where are they likely to be able to get working papers if it's neither, um, an EU or American nationality. So all that stuff, you know, plays a role too. But, you know, I, I forgot to say like, congratulations to this person on having a couple of really nice offers, especially given what they want to do. I mean, I think many would say, if you want to work in fashion. Milan's a really, you know, that's sort of the epicenter along with Paris for this type of stuff, right? So you could see the, the, the pull there. Um, but in any event, yeah, it's really an interesting dilemma. And I'm glad you picked it because we don't get to talk about these types of you know, scenarios that often.
1: And it might be that they need to also really investigate the alumni networks of each programs in the region in which they want to be working in post-MBA. Yeah, yeah, that's so a fair one. If they want to work fashion in New York, then what's the, um, the, the, the Piconi network look like there? I mean, I don't think the Carlson network would be very strong in fashion in New York, but maybe there's a Carlson network in New York mm-hmm. um, and so forth. So, so they, 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 there's quite a few things that they can look at to help guide their, their decision. Um, I would, I would think.
0: Yeah. And it does beg the question. I mean, this is just to throw a curveball, but I wonder, I mean, HEC has admissions deadlines like every month, I think, or, you know, they have a ton of admissions deadlines and you get a decision within, I want to say four to six weeks cause they have a very different process. And so I was kind of wondering, gee, you know, should they also be looking at an HEC cause they have very strong ties to LVMH being a French company.
1: So yeah. Or should they be looking at Ross?
0: Yeah, that's another, you know, if they're, yeah, they got the full
1: ride at Carlson. You know, if you look on the other side of it, yeah, like you, if, yeah. if they go full, full ride at Carlson, surely Ross, maybe they did apply to Ross, they just haven't revealed that. Yeah, that, I don't know. That, that would make sense to me.
0: Yeah, so anyway, thanks for picking that one out. Very interesting. Um, and we'll wish her the best of luck as she tries to decide. Uh, let's move on, though, and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So, Alex, you're on a roll, because our third candidate is another kind of really interesting, you know, not something we talk about a lot sort of dilemma. And it's a decision-wire entry that you've chosen. And it's a candidate who um, they applied to Carnegie Mellon, Cornell, Georgetown, Michigan, and Vanderbilt. Um, and they ultimately got into Carnegie Mellon, uh, to Michigan, and Vanderbilt. And in the case of... Um, Carnegie Mellon, they got a $10,000 scholarship, and with uh, Vanderbilt, a $50,000 scholarship. Now, the wrinkle here is that their offers at Carnegie Mellon and Michigan are for the online MBA programs, whereas Vanderbilt is in person. Uh, They wanna start this fall. They wanna get into consulting, I guess, in the long term. They uh, they have a GPA of 3.7. They didn't reveal a test score. Maybe they didn't take a test, I'm not really sure. They're located in New York. They indicate that they're Canadian, but of African descent. So they're living in New York, working at a Japanese bank. And you know they they want to work after business school in treasury and finance, but on the buy side. So they'd love to go to like Bain Capital, KKR, or Citadel. So I'm not sure why they put consulting as opposed to MBA, because those are a little bit, those are more kind of uh, <laughs> finance roles. But in any event, um, that's what they want to do. And they're sort of torn between these offers. And they were kind of curious what People on our website thought, and I just want to add, you know, that this, it seems like their preferences to continue working and to do an online program at either Tepper or Ross, it seems like Vanderbilt's taking a little bit of a backseat in terms of that in-person option, because they would prefer to just keep, keep working, keep earning while they do it. Um, But this is, yeah. So I don't know if you have a point of view. I know that, um, Elliot on our team, uh, chimed in to offer some thoughts, but what's your take on this?
1: Yeah I mean I just I one thing I like this is a really interesting international um type candidate right they they're Canadian of African descent in New York City working for a Japanese bank <laughs> I, know. I just thought awesome. that was actually pretty um sort of rolled off my tongue when I wrote it down <laughs> yeah. um, but but yeah so I I think basically this is um Uh, weighing up two online programs right so we'll discount um Vanderbilt Owen even though that's you know obviously a very good program but they they want to continue working and and go online so we very seldom um get um, a conversation going in terms of online MBA programs how do you select um you know the, the 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 best of the online MBA programs because geography is probably less relevant, right? They can continue working in New York City, I assume, whilst also taking an online MBA right. from Tepper right. and from, from Ross. I assume there's probably some in-person interaction,
0: yeah.
1: you know, going to certain specific events or, or whatever it might be. So slightly hybrid, but mostly online. Um, so So really, you know, so it's like, all right, it, 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 let, let's say this was um, for full-time programs and um, we'd probably argue that ross is a tier above tepper mm-hmm. um, and consequently that quality of um, students at ross is probably on aggregate slightly higher than the quality of students at tepper as we talked about with the with a a Real Humans piece earlier uh, on this show. Sure. Um, So so that would factor in as well as perhaps the resources and and various other things. So Ross would win over Tepper. But as an online offering, I mean, we know um, less probably firsthand about the difference in overall quality of their offerings. I would assume they're reasonably similar on aggregate. Yeah. Yeah. because a school will, you know, when they're going to create an online MBA offering, they'll want to make sure it's of, of, of a similar quality of what they do full time because they don't want to harm their brand and so on and so forth. Um, so, so I can assume that they're, they're, they're reasonably similar. We know that there was, a, there was a ranking that came out, I forget which organization, and, and Tepper... U.S. News, right? U.S. News, Yeah. Tapper is perennially at the top of that ranking because they've been in the online MBA business for quite some time, I think now. Uh, whereas Ross is more of a newer player, right? And oddly enough, just didn't appear in that ranking. So I'm not sure um, why that was, because Ross is in effect the highest ranked full time program that has an online MBA, right? So, <laughs> that's, that's a lot about ranking when I don't really like ranking, but I thought I'd talk a little bit about ranking, so. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so to me, what does it boil down to? I would really scrutinize their um, recruiting options that they offer. Like, can these online students get access to the same opportunities that the full-time students do? with on-campus recruiting? How do they facilitate that if the student's in New York City? Um, That, to me, would be uh, where I would put in all of my energy if I'm debating between two online programs.
0: Yeah, and the only other thing I'll add is I think doing some, you know, research into the alumni presence in probably in New York. I'm guessing that's where they want to stay. And just seeing, you know, like what, and I, went, I actually once went to a, a Ross event um, in New York City and, it, you know, there were a ton of, of alums there and it's a big market probably for both schools. And I think both schools, you know, traditionally both schools are pretty good in, in finance. I know, you know, Tepper has a bit of a reputation as being particularly strong in kind of computational finance and some of the really quantitative um, areas. But I, I yeah, I, I feel like as you said, you know, Ross is sort of a newer entrant into the online space, but it is the highest ranking kind of uh, brick and mortar program that that's in the space. Right. Yeah. So, so it's a, it's a dilemma. They need to do some research. They need to find out what's the alumni network like in, in whatever market they want to be in or in, in whatever field as well. So geography and industry um, and see if that leads them somewhere, but I don't think they're going to go wrong. And I think both, you know, both schools get high marks. And so I, you know, I would say, I wouldn't let the $10,000 from Tepper make this decision. That's too small of an amount when you think of what's in play yeah. um, over the long haul to to make a big difference. So um, I think that's the way they need to go. And, and I would argue since they're not making a massive career switch, um, you know, it's sort of a – they, they want to move to the, I guess, to the buy side, right? So they're – you know, it's not um, – I don't think that we should be arguing that that online doesn't make sense and they should go to the full-time offer at at, at Vanderbilt. It sounds like we're in agreement that it's between Tepper and Ross at this point in time and particularly cuz those schools are both very high ranked. And, yeah. So in any event
1: yeah, yeah, completely agree. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So in anyway, best of luck to them. Thanks for picking that one out too, Alex. I mean, this has been an interesting episode because we talked about some pretty non-traditional stuff in terms of much older candidate with a sub three O GPA. We had our, um, you know, then kind of some very non-traditional decision, uh, quandaries with respect to these last two decision wire entries. So thanks for, as always coming up with good ones for, for us to discuss. And uh, yeah, best of luck to everyone waiting on decisions in the coming days. And Alex, I'll I'll keep you posted on how everything goes here in the U.S. as I hang out with some schools and, and catch up with the team here.
1: Very good. Best luck, everyone. Stay safe.